Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. The word of the Lord. Do you ever feel like life in this world is a little bit unsatisfying? Or sometimes maybe even a lot unsatisfying, like when you're going through something really hard? Do you ever feel like, um, like you yearn for something more, and, and you're not even really sure oftentimes what that is? I read an essay a few years ago in Time Magazine by a woman named Susanna Schrobsdorf. She describes herself as an agnostic, uh, but also someone who has this smallish space where faith might fit into her life. So even though she's experimented with different forms of spirituality like yoga or meditation, nothing's ever really seemed to click. But then at the end of the essay, she starts talking about her mother, who was a deeply religious person, about how her mother got sick, went to the hospital, and ended up passing away. Listen to what she says at the end here. She said, my mother had the certainty that she would go home, as she called it. It was a comfort I envied as I watched her slip away a few days after Christmas. But when she was gone, it felt like a void had opened up. Then, as now, I longed for faith. That essential human need might just be proof that God does exist. That built-in yearning is there because there's something worth yearning for. The yearning is there because there's something worth yearning for. We all yearn for something more, at least sometimes. So here's the question. Is that dissatisfaction we feel just something we have to accept? Is it just the way things are? So don't torment yourself with deep questions about life that have no answer and just try to live the best life you can. Or is that yearning a, a clue or a signal that there is something that's actually available and we ought to try to find it? And if so, what would that even look like? We're in a series on the Sermon on the Mount. At first glance, this passage we just read looks like it has nothing to do with our unfulfilled longings. Most of it is all about not judging other people. And we looked at that last week. But then at the very end, Jesus, uh, it sounds like, like he's judging people. It's very confusing to us. He just got through saying, don't judge, but then it sounds like he's judging people. He's calling them dogs and pigs. It sounds like Jesus is, is saying there's some people who are so worthless, don't have anything to do with them. But what if Jesus is really talking about that something missing? That something, if you could really find it, if you could really lay hold of it, would be the satisfaction of your deepest desires. That's what verse 6 is about, but it's hard to see. 
like I said, this verse confuses people. So let's ask three questions this morning. What is Jesus saying? What does it mean for us? And how can we do it? What's Jesus saying? What does it mean? And how can we do it? Okay, first, what is Jesus saying? Verse 6, the very last verse here, is a mini parable. That's a story with a lesson. If we don't understand that, then of course it's going to sound offensive to us. But once we understand this is a parable, it begins to take on a different meaning. Jesus says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, what's happening in this story? The traditional interpretation goes something like this. There are some people who are just so worthless, so unworthy, that you shouldn't waste your time with them. Don't bother sharing the truth with them. They're not worthy. The, the problem, according to that interpretation, is the unworthiness of certain people. They're dogs and pigs. Especially when we understand that uh, it, many first century Jewish people, dogs and pigs was language that they used to describe Gentiles. That's non-Jewish people. But, but if that's the interpretation, if, if that's what Jesus is saying, the problem with that is that Jesus was constantly breaking his own rule. Because he was constantly reaching out to Gentiles, sharing the gospel with them, feeding them, healing them, loving them. The problem, therefore, is not the unworthiness of certain people. What is the problem? Well, the picture here is of domestic animals that are under your care. Your job is to feed and care for them. So here you are now. You've got a pearl. It's infinitely precious, infinitely beautiful. But your job is to feed the pig. So you throw down a, a pearl. Now, what's the pig going to do? The pig's going to say, what the heck is this? Don't you realize I can't eat this? I'm hungry here. I can't eat this, but you're starting to look pretty tasty. Chomp. <laughs> you see, the problem is not the pig. The problem is the caretaker is giving the pig something it can't eat. And it's not even just that, you know, you're throwing down rocks or garbage, but you're throwing down a pearl. Now, what is the pearl? The pearl um, is actually something we find out more about in Matthew chapter 13, which is another mini parable about a pearl. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a merchant who found a pearl of great price, and he was so captivated by its beauty that he sold everything to get it. The gospel, is, the pearl, in other words, is the kingdom, uh, the gospel of the kingdom. Now, gospel literally means good news that through Jesus, God is rescuing people from evil and making all things new. That's what the gospel is. In other words, the gospel is, is the power of God breaking into the world and renewing all things. Now, this is really important for us. Because the kingdom of God is not a power that we already have inside of us as human beings. And all we have to do is activate our own inner power and we can make the world a better place. No. The gospel, remember, it's good news. Not good instructions or good advice about how we activate our own inner power. It's good news about how the love and power of God is breaking into this world from outside of this world. Here's why this is so important for us. Are you beginning to see what's going on here in verse 6? What is the difference between the pearl merchant in Matthew 13 and the pig here in Matthew 7? Both of them see the pearl, 
But the pig is looking right at the pearl, but it's incapable of uh, perceiving the value and the beauty of the pearl. Why? Because it's a pig. It's simply acting according to its nature. That's the point. Friends, Jesus is showing us something incredibly important here about the human condition. He's reminding us that, we, that humanity was created originally in the image of God with glory and beauty, and especially with unbroken communion with God, unbroken relationship with God. But through our arrogance and our pride, through our self-reliance and our determination to live life on our own terms, we've damaged and broken our ability to perceive God, to perceive spiritual reality, to perceive the beauty and the value of it. We're like broken radios that can't quite tune into the radio station. Every once in a while, you'll hear a little bit of music coming through, but just faintly. When we yearn for something more, we're hearing a transmission from God's radio station, KGOD, KGOD. <laughs> but even then, it, it's always filled with static. Our spiritual tuners are broken. Compared to what we were created to be, we're like beasts. And so whenever the pearl of the gospel is right there in front of us, we're like, so what? I'm hungry. Friends, it's kind of like, have you ever read the fairy tale Beauty and the Beast? Or seen the movie or the show? It's all about a handsome young prince who also happened to be very proud, very arrogant. One night, a powerful enchantress shows up at his door and offers him a rose in exchange for shelter. But... She's disguised. And because of, of his inability to perceive her true nature, all he sees is a dirty old beggar woman. So he shuts his heart to her. He turns her away. And as a result, she transforms him into a beast until he can win the love of someone who's able to see beneath his own grotesque appearance. The beastliness of the prince is an outward physical expression of the inward spiritual condition of his heart. Do you think it's possible that fairy tales might have something to teach us about the human condition and about spiritual reality? If we just scoff at it and we say, well, it's just for kids, do you see what's happening? We're dehumanizing ourselves. We're desensitizing ourselves. We're like beasts. That's one of the main points of this little parable, that, that we have damaged and broken our capacity to perceive God, to perceive spiritual reality through our arrogance, our pride, our self-reliance, and our self-sufficiency. That's what Jesus is saying here, and that leads to our next point. We've just seen what Jesus is saying, but what does it mean for us? Because in light of everything we've just seen, here's the question. What are we supposed to do about this? Is there anything we can do about this? Well, there is. First of all, we have to identify the other pearls in our life that keep us from recognizing God is the true pearl. Now, here's what I mean. Let's go back to our parable. Why is the pig not able to value the pearl? Well, at one level, we just saw it's because the pig doesn't have the capacity to do that. But at another level, it's not because the pig doesn't value anything, but because the pig values some things more than it does the pearl. In other words, the pig's hungry, the pig has appetites, but those appetites are focused on other things. And to the pig, those things are its pearls. Your pearl is whatever is supremely valuable to you, supremely beautiful to you. When you put the pearl of the gospel in front of the pig, the pig is like, so what? How does this meet my other needs? 
for many people, God is a means to something else, some other pearl, my needs, my desires, my wants, my appetites. Tim Keller, the great preacher and writer in New York City, puts it perfectly. He says, there is a difference between seeing God as useful and seeing God as beautiful. There's a difference between seeing God as useful and seeing God as beautiful. When we see God as useful, that's the traditional religious approach. It's a way of seeing God as useful. He's a means to something else, a means to some other pearl. So it's kind of like if, if we say, okay, God, if I follow you, if I serve you, then how are you going to meet my needs? Because I already know what I really need. For many people, it might be getting into the right school or getting the right letters behind your name or getting onto the right career path. It might be getting the right spouse, the right home, the right family. For many people, those are your pearls. But more and more in our culture, we have other pearls. Other pearls in our culture. And one of the big ones in our culture is identity. And even that has many different expressions. So for instance, for some people, you find your identity by looking inside of yourself. And whatever you find there, you have to have the freedom to express that to the world around you. You say, these are my desires. This is who I am. For other people, maybe those who might lean more conservative, uh, there's a, a tendency to find your identity in things like, I'm white, Protestant, American, and I need liberty to protect our traditions, to protect our way of life, to form a right-wing identity politics. And, and then for other people, there's an increasing tendency to find your identity in belonging to an oppressed group or maybe some combination or intersection of oppressed groups. And we need to be particularly careful and clear about this one. We are not saying that oppression isn't real, and we are not saying that we shouldn't do something about it. It is real, and we should do something about it. We should acknowledge and celebrate the beautiful diversity in, in creation. Because, by the way, it's God's idea. Read Genesis 1 or read Revelation 21. And especially, we need to acknowledge and to rectify the oppression that has been perpetrated against so many people. And again, the rectifying of that oppression is God's idea also. Read any Old Testament prophet if you want to see that. So here at Central West End Church, we unequivocally affirm that, that the lives of oppressed, marginalized people matter and that the gospel calls us to address the oppression, to address the, un, the injustice. But here's the thing. There is a huge difference between that which describes you and that which defines you. Your identity is what defines you. And we just saw Jesus reminding us that what defines us as human beings is that we're created in the image of God. When we define ourselves on the basis of our desires, our oppressed status, or our white Protestant American status, or whatever it might be, we are taking things that describe us and saying, no, no, this defines us. Not the image of God, this. Friends, identity, self-defined identity is a huge pearl in our culture. Now, there are many others in our culture. Another big one in our culture is sexual freedom, having the freedom to express yourself sexually however you want. Another one in our culture is politics. That is a huge pearl in our culture. But here's the point. Any of these things can be pearls in your life. You value them more than anything else. You don't just find them useful. You find them beautiful, more beautiful than anything else. They capture you. They compel you. They move you. So if you're exploring faith, here's what this means for you. 
It's easy to look at Jesus and, and to say, okay, Jesus, um, I'll follow you as long as you affirm the identity that I've already defined myself. Or as long as you uphold my notion of sexual freedom. Or as long as you conform to my political sensibilities. Anytime we say, Jesus, I'll follow you as long as, whatever's on the other side of as long as, that's your real guy. That's your real pearl. God is just a means to that thing. He's just a tool for getting it in your life. You're not finding God beautiful for who he is in and of himself. You're finding God useful for getting something you already find beautiful. So here's the question for you. How are you going to decide whether you'll make Jesus Lord of your life when the whole time there's something that's already your real Lord? The only way we'll ever find God is if we identify the other pearls in our life that keep us from recognizing God as the true pearl, the true beauty. Now, if you're a Christian, you realize, of course, that everything we just said applies to you too, right? But here's something more that we need to be aware of. One of the main points in this parable is that it's possible to push things on people that they're not ready for. So we need to learn to honor God's process, God's timing in other people's lives. Instead of ramming the truth down their throat when they're not ready for it, we need to learn patience. We need to learn kindness, gentleness, humility, self-control. All the things the Bible tells us is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Learn to be curious about people. Learn to ask really good questions. You have the gospel. It's beautiful. It's precious. But how are people going to see the beauty of Jesus if they don't see it in your life? If the only thing the world ever sees in the church is rigid, anxious, fearful, angry, uptight people, how in the world are they ever going to see the beauty of Jesus? There, there are millions of people, young people, who grew up in the church, but they're done with church because that's all they ever saw. And there are millions more people who won't have anything to do with the church in the first place because that's all they ever see. Now, what are we supposed to do about all of that? Well, that leads to our last point. We've seen, what is Jesus saying? Our capacity for spiritual perception is damaged and broken. What does it mean for us? We need to identify the other pearls that keep us from recognizing God as our true pearl. But lastly, how can we do it? How can we do it? In other words, if you're exploring faith, if you're beginning to sense that maybe there is something more, how do you actually find it? How do you see what you have yet to see? And if you are a follower of Jesus and you long to share the beauty of Jesus with others, but sometimes maybe you're a little too pushy or sometimes you don't say anything at all, how can we make Jesus more beautiful to the world around us? For all of us, we need to go to the end of the parable and see what it shows us. Remember, Jesus says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What's happening at the end of the parable here? Jesus is saying that if if we're not careful with the pearl, then people may trample it. They may even turn and tear you to pieces. In other words, there's a risk involved. So if you're exploring faith, then there's a risk. Make no mistake about that. You have other pearls in your life. Jesus is saying, put those pearls aside and make me your pearl. That means that your other pearls may get trampled and torn to pieces. There's a risk for you there. 
But if you're a follower of Jesus, then there's a risk for you too. That no matter how careful you are, no matter how hard you try to honor God's process and timing in other people's lives and be kind, patient, and humble, and gentle, the reality is that going public with Jesus is always going to involve a risk. People may trample and tear you to pieces. For all of us, whether you're exploring faith or whether you've been following Jesus for decades, the thing we need to see is at the very end of this parable that there's always a risk involved, but the thing we need to see is what is the pearl? What is the pearl really? Yes, it's the kingdom of God. Yes, it's, it's the reality that God is rescuing people from evil, that he's making all things new, that his love and power is breaking into this world. But how does that happen? What we all need to see is that the trampling and the tearing to pieces is not just something that happens to the pearl. The trampling and the tearing to pieces is the pearl. It is the beauty that we seek. Jesus is the pearl of great price. And he sold it all. He cast aside all of his pearls. And Jesus had pearls. He had the throne of heaven, the riches of glory, the worship of angels. And above all, he had the love and delight of the Father shining on him from all eternity. Jesus had pearls. And yet he cast them aside. He sold them all in order to get something that was dear and more precious to him than anything else in all of creation, you. Friends, Jesus is the pearl who was trampled in the dust. He is the pearl who was torn to pieces. The prophet Isaiah says that Jesus was beaten and disfigured beyond any human appearance. He was treated like a beast. And on the cross, Jesus Christ was dehumanized so that we could be rehumanized. So that our eyes could be reopened to the beauty of God. So that our hearts could be resensitized to the reality and the presence of God. So that, unlike the prince in Beauty and the Beast, that when the author of creation shows up on our doorstep as a first century peasant crucified as a common criminal, that we would be able to realize that that is no mendacious disguise designed to deceive us, but it is the ultimate revelation of the patient, humble, self-giving love of God. The trampling and the tearing to pieces of Jesus on the cross That is the pearl. And the more we see that, the more that restores and rehumanizes and and resensitizes our hearts. There is nothing more beautiful, more life-changing, more rehumanizing than seeing someone sacrifice their life for you. So whether you're exploring faith or whether you've been following Jesus for decades, we all constantly are in need of having our spiritual perception restored and resensitized. So if you're exploring faith, if you're considering the claims of Jesus, don't let your earthly pearls keep you from recognizing the heavenly pearl. In other words, if if you say that there are certain things you need Jesus to affirm before you'll follow him, then those things are your pearl. The question for you is, will you sell it all to get Jesus? Not because you find him useful, but because you find him beautiful, more beautiful than anything else in the world. And understand something— This does not mean that you have to give up caring about all those other things that are so meaningful to you. Maybe you long for justice. Maybe you long to be your authentic self. Jesus longs for those things too. 
But selling it all for Jesus does not mean giving up on those things. It means finding the ultimate fulfillment of those things in Jesus. And if you are a follower of Christ, then we all need to allow the beauty of Jesus to rehumanize and resensitize us. We need to see the beauty of Jesus because the more we see the beauty of Jesus, the more that beauty transforms us into the very same image. So that as you take the pearl of the gospel out into the world, you're able to do so with the same spiritual perception and discernment that Jesus had for people in the world. You know, Jesus was always able to give the gospel to people exactly the way they needed it. It was never a cookie-cutter approach. So, for instance, there were two sisters, one named Martha and the other named Mary. They had a brother named Lazarus who died. And they came to Jesus with the exact same words. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same exact situation, same exact question. But Jesus did not give them the same response. He was able to discern their spiritual needs. He was able to perceive what they needed in that moment. Martha needed truth. Jesus was able to tell it to her. But Mary needed tears. And Jesus was able to weep with her. Do you have the same kind of spiritual perception? Is your heart sensitive to other people the way Jesus' heart was sensitive to them? The more we find Jesus not just useful, but beautiful, the more that beauty transforms us, the more it restores and redeems and rehumanizes us into the very same image because Jesus is the fulfillment of our deepest yearnings. Let's pray. Father, we praise you this morning that you're a God who created us for glory, created us in your image, and yet in our arrogance and pride and our desire for self-determination, we have broken and damaged our ability to perceive your glory, to perceive your reality, to see you as ultimately beautiful and valuable. Father, we pray that you would restore and renew us today by giving us a greater vision of the true pearl, the pearl of great price, Jesus Christ, who was dehumanized on the cross so that we could be rehumanized in your love. Give us eyes to see Jesus this morning, that we might more faithfully follow Jesus, and that we might more faithfully bear fruit for you, our Savior. For we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.